Hey, good evening and good screaming. Today we are here to talk about primarily, I would say, vote fraud. You hear a lot about vote fraud from one side, but let's face it, vote fraud began a lot earlier. Just ask Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B. Hayes or even John Quincy Adam or any coup meister you care to name. But where I really went through the ceiling about vote fraud was um, after the 2000 election, because not only was it obvious that George W. Bush stole the election, and not just because of that screwed thing designed to benefit slave owners called the Electoral College, but it was soon turned out that Florida, the state where W. supposedly won by 500 votes, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of other votes were blocked by monkeying with the digital ballot box. And no one did more to expose that than Greg Pallast, who authored a book at the time, a little bit after that, exposing that one called The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, from Secretary of State Catherine Harris deliberately kicking as many black people off the rolls as she could to, um, to how little the Gore campaign did to stop that, even though he had tipped them, as well as CBS News, in advance. And then, from then on, Pallast continued to expose ballot bandits in 2004. Yes, W stole that one as well in Florida and in Ohio. And did John Kerry fight? No more than Al Gore did. Even his vice president guy, John Edwards, said Kerry should have fought. We wouldn't have gotten a second W term if he'd shown up in front of the Capitol building in Columbus, Ohio, and refused to leave until all the people got to vote and the votes were counted. But then it was back to Florida and Louisiana, Arkansas, and more he documented. And on we go. Right before the 2016 election, Greg Pallast released a movie documentary of the same title, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, right before the 2016 election. Sadly, it didn't come out in July instead of October, exposing a program he will explain called Interstate Crosscheck on how Dirty Donnie Trumpamuck and the other Trumpzies, T-R-U-M-P-Z-I-S, not only stole the White House, but also down ballot all these crackpot Tea Party senators who were supposed to lose, like Ron Johnson and Toomey and Burr and the rest, somehow got back in, just in time to put Neil Gorsuch, the rapist, and Amy I Can't Bear It onto the Supreme Court. And you want to talk about coup, there is your coup. Now he has released another documentary focusing just on how insane Jim Crow 2.0 vote fraud and election rigging is happening in the state of Georgia right now. So without further ado, here is Greg Pallast. Wow. Uh, Well, you left me nothing else to say. You said everything. (laughs) No, actually, the main thing I want to say is the name of the new movie, which is called Vigilante, Georgia's Vote suppression hitman. Why and did you decide? Want, to, why did you yeah. decide to narrow the focus on Governor Kemp and what he did on as Secretary of State before that, and not go after Abbott and DeSantis, who may be our, our honest to God dictator in two years, not Trump or others? Um, why narrow it strictly to Kemp 
and uh, give us uh, kind of feeling a little discouraged that Stacey Abrams will finally take the oath of office she earned four years earlier. Well, because I don't like to write about the puppets, I tend to write about the puppet masters and um, not not the glove puppets. And when you got to uh, a schmuck like DeSantis, that's a technical term in our industry, um, and, and Abbott, who's a schlemiel, it's another technical term. Um, these are these are just these are glove puppets. They're told what to say. They're they're vicious anti-vote. Their their attack on votes and and our democratic rights. They didn't come up with this stuff. But Brian Kemp is one of the originators with a guy named Chris Kobach of Kansas. If you don't know that name, just think KKK. Now um, the so for now for those who know Greg Palast or at least know my hat. So I am an investigative reporter. I was with The Guardian and BBC Television as their investigative reporter, then Rolling Stone and Democracy Now. Um, I've been going to Georgia. So I lived in London, New York, Los Angeles, and I end up having to go to uh, you know, to this to Atlanta, to Georgia, and then and then drip down. You see, have, by the way, Jello, when you leave Atlanta, you go when you leave, go, say, 50 miles south or north of Atlanta. Uh, you're also you go 50 miles out and 50 years back. And so I'm stuck as part of my job as a journalist uncovering vote shenanigans. And this is different counties. Racist Jim Crow. Right. So um, so, we have this, so I keep going back to Georgia because for nine years, that's where that's the kind of Petri dish of the voting corrosion diseases come from. You know, it's a center for disease control, but it's also center for voting diseases procreation. So um, uh, that's why I go there. So, for example, um, in the film Vigilante, I take you back through some of that history back in. And you mentioned, like, for example, this, this trick um, cross check. What that was. Here's how they you'll love this one. If they say, OK, a guy named James Brown voted in Atlanta and then you'll be shocked. But there was a James Brown who also voted in Illinois, in Chicago. And they said, oh, James Brown must have flown from Atlanta to, to Chicago. Now, James Brown is very busy because James Brown, and I'm not making this up, they said the same guy voted that James Brown voted 288 times in Georgia. Now, I know what you're thinking, Jello, that James Brown is a common name, but not for a Republican. OK, and they got Jose Garcia's and James Brown. So they took people with similar names when i say similar they have the same first and last name but then what they would do is i found when i got a hold of their secret list of who they were knocking off the voter rolls and i say they it started in georgia and with kansas who's working with this uh with brian kemp this guy in georgia who was secretary uh, the two, of state at the time. second yeah they have the jobs of secretary of state most people in fact until Catherine harris in 2000 didn't even know this job existed they're the person in charge of your voting and they get to pick, you know, you think, oh, you know, remember when you're in Mrs. Smith's uh, third grade class, she said, oh, democracy, everyone raises their hand, they count the vote. Well, if she were teaching an honest class, she would say, no, James, uh, because you're a person of color, you don't get to vote. And, um, um, you know, you don't get to vote and you don't get to vote. And, oh, if you vote, we're just going to ignore your vote and throw it away. People don't understand that we have a massive non-count in America. And I'm not talking about this computer stuff. I'm not talking about Lex Lothor in a cave pressing buttons. I'm talking about something much simpler. Almost all vote theft is done by 
removing people from the voter rolls. And that's what they do. They call it purging. You know, like the film The Purge, where once a year you go out and you shoot people. Well, this is better. Once a year, these secretaries of state can go out and remove you from the voter rolls. And that's what they do on a massive basis, including so they got all the Jose Garcia's and James Brown's. And you'll see in the film uh, an, an older woman, when I say older, a lot older, 92. Uh, her name's Christine Jordan. And um, I was there when they told her, you can't vote here in Georgia. You don't live here. This is Martin <laughs> Luther King's This is Martin Luther King's cousin, 92 years old. She was going to vote for her 50th year. She first um, she first registered to vote when the Voting Rights Act was passed after her cousin Martin was murdered. And they said, no, no, you can't vote here anymore. Brian Kemp says you don't live here. And I went to the house where she supposedly didn't live. This is what you'll see in the film Vigilante. So, yes, all this stuff originates in Georgia, then spreads out. So we had the cross check. We had the system. They, we had a lot of, of a hellacious system stopping voters right, from right. voters. Well, but that, this new one is very, very different. I can tell you about the new one. You want the new one or do you want to rewind clear back to Catherine Harris in Florida okay. in 2000? Where, where, as far as I could tell, modern rigging of, and vote fraud in elections began, and it right. sure as hell wasn't people of color trying to vote twice. Not even John Waters trying to vote twice, which he uh, <laughs> says he loves to vote. <laughs> well, he, he's, was, he's uh, colorful, not of color. So, um. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorites from Florida back then and was, you know, there were people who were, you know, even a minister from a church down the block was denied the right to vote at his usual precinct polling place. No, you're a convicted felon. Felons can't vote in Florida. Wait a minute. That's right. my church right over there. I've never been convicted of a crime in my life. Oh, no, no. It says right here, you were convicted of a crime in 2004. And it was the year 2000. Some people are still finding they're suddenly felons because they were convicted in 2014 or whatever because of what Catherine Harris did way back then. Right. So what, what they elaborate. Yeah. Okay. So Catherine Harris, or her real name is Cruella DeVille, she was <laughs> the um, Secretary of State of Florida. And she um, and Jeb Bush together got together and removed 58,000 people, all of them black people. From the voter rolls. Now, I'm not kidding about race because when I got when I got my hands on the sheets of the people that they removed, um, it says BLA next to their name. I didn't even know Joe. I didn't know what that meant. I said, kept saying all these list names. It said blah 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 blah. I said, what's blah blah blah? Then I realized black because finally after blah 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 blah, there was W H I. I said, why? Oh, white. And um, so it's. It's, it's it was mostly blah voters and not why voters. And I'm assuming and, they didn't red flag Spanish and, last names because of well, all that's the interesting. Cubans and the now, you would think so. So they didn't they didn't go after Hispanic votes in that one. Uh, Kemp does that later. But what happens when they did the cross check thing? They really went after Hispanic votes nationwide. But in Florida, of course, they didn't because it's a conservative vote. So they went after black voters. And by the way, of the fifty eight thousand people that they accused of being felons. And stop them from voting. And remember, like you said, George Bush won the presidency of the United States by 537 votes. I don't mean 537 electoral votes. I mean 537 ballots in Florida, not counting 58,000 black men that they said were criminals, felons, father stabbers, mother mother beaters. In fact, 
which exactly all means zero, zero. This is very important. Zero, zero, zero were illegal felon voters. And wow. that's and then that was Florida. And you're right. It kind of started there. Now, stealing elections doesn't start in Florida. But the thing is, Florida was the very first state to computerize their voter rolls. And uh-huh. so what's happened is since then, the, the Bush, when he became president, that worked so well that they required by law every state to computerize their voter rolls so it's easier to knock people off by the thousands. Right, right. And Brian Kemp, if you think that 58000 was a good deal for Jeb Bush, Brian Kemp knocked off, are you ready? Half a million voters off the voter rolls before he ran for governor against Stacey Abrams in 2018. Now, how can a guy knock off his opponent's? Of voters, the answer is he was Secretary of State. Now, just so you understand, Secretaries of State, not by law, but by tradition, always resign if they're going to then run for governor because you shouldn't be running for governor while you are counting the votes. So so Kemp's predecessor, Secretary of State, ran for governor and resigned the office because she said, I can't count my own votes. But Kemp absolutely refused to resign. He knocked off Stacey Abrams' voters, and therefore he... Like Stacey Abrams says, because Democrats don't like to talk about votes being stolen because we don't talk about those impolite things about America. Uh, but we do. But instead, she says the the rules, if it weren't for these unfair rules removing my voters, I'd be governor now. So she's running again in three weeks. We'll find out. There might be a runoff, by the way. Um, three weeks or six weeks. We're going to find out who's governor of Georgia. Now, I can tell you this, having been down in Georgia, the demographics are such that Stacey Abrams can't lose. But if they keep knocking off voters and now we found this new vigilante vote challenge that I've uncovered. And that's the new that's the latest horror show. Explain. OK, so now vigilante voters. So right now, are you ready for this? Anyone in Georgia can can literally challenge an unlimited number of other voters right to vote and when i say unlimited i mean unlimited so you'll see in vigilante my film you'll see a woman in red dresses like nancy reagan you know nice red dress high heels coiffed hair she's in her antebellum home everything but but the lawn jockey and her uh, house though filled with guns you'll see in the film ammo shotguns handguns it's all over the place and um, she personally, personally, this one woman challenged 32,000 voters, 32,000 voters. She's a GOP official close to Brian, Brian Kemp, the governor. And she uh, was a campaigner. She, you'll see her in the film. She has a big rhinestone Trump on her <laughs> chest. It's not tattooed. I did not ask her if she tattooed it as well, but, you know, I watched it. And I... So then I, I showed her some photos of people that she, I said, do you know these people? No. You never heard of them? And I gave her, I said, there's a one woman, Tamara Horn, another guy, Storm Saul. I said, do you know these people? No, I don't know these people. She thought I was going to accuse her of being with like, because she saw a black woman. She thought I was going to accuse her of hanging out with a criminal because she saw a black face. And I said, um, well... You don't know them at all. You've never spoken to them. You've never been. Oh, I have nothing to do with these people. I said, well, actually you do because you challenged their right to vote. I know that they're black, but you challenged their right to vote. 
And then she tried to deny it. And then finally she threatened me, threw me out of the house. Actually, her husband jumped, jumped at me, tried to <laughs> do damage. Uh, but I'm well, laughing now. She, had a she was armed. She was, she was armed. That was a guy skulking in the back there. And she, you know, so since she was, um, substantially armed i wasn't going to argue with her about leaving the house but then she starts this nice nancy reagan style woman she uh, i uh, i did ask her if if you know if if in fact the she told me to get out of her house i just did ask her if it was a legal voting address anyway she started swearing at me and i couldn't use the whole thing i just i could only call her an ass she could she called me an asshole and i but i cut off everything else because i w- didn't want an, an r x rating on my film but she was swearing like a sailor and let me tell you how and, did you get uh, her to sign a release form that she could even be in the film uh, should i tell you a secret most most um most journalists make a big mistake well, most journalists don't do journalism, so they don't care. They can do uh, your release form before, after, a week later, because they always do these polite ass-licking interviews. They've got their tongue so far up up these politicians' ass that you hear the pop when they pull it out. So th- these guys don't mind signing a release form, but but when I do things like show you the the um, the people that you've illegally removed from the voter rolls, and then I remind her this could be a violation of the Ku Klux Klan Act, she'd go to prison. Um, so then people tend not to want to sign that release. So I have them sign it when I walk in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's, and in fact, one guy, then one guy try to uh, get rid of his, uh, try to stop someone else, try to reverse someone else's release. I would, you'll see it in the film actually. But, um, uh, you know, I, I sent, I was, I was looking at the, the Simpsons. They had a great show on this where, 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 a, a journalist jumps Homer Simpson and accuses him of, of or reveals his crimes. And Homer Simpson says, no, don't take my film. Oh, wait, don't I have to sign a release form? He signs it. So that's what these people do. So, yes, I get them to sign it first because I know that they ain't going to be in the mood after they talk to Greg Palace for the most part to sign it after. I'm assuming that's how uh, Sasha Baron Cohen got Rudy Giuliani to sign before he put him on camera and so many of the others. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, some people don't actually realize what they've said or done, but I don't take yeah. any chances. I, I uh, So, no. yeah, so I have this all the time. I have people attack me. I have people run away at high speed. I have people take a swing at me. Um, and my, my associate, Zach D Roberts, who likes to hang, he goes undercover in the white supremacist groups and they just, and he's had the crap kicked out of him. And then of course is the other, well, that's the, the unofficial white supremacist groups. And there's the official organization called the NYPD, which is a white supremacist organization in New York. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Um, and, uh, no they have these badges, feelings, thankfully they have. And so they, they, uh, they beat the the NYPD, for example, beat the crap out of um, Zach, even though he's wearing his press pass. Now, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but <laughs> but they they unfortunately they also we have a picture of a billy club going through an expensive camera lens. So we actually have the photo. Literally, you see the billy club coming right into the lens, and uh, that gets expensive. Uh, I mean, I can replace. Zach, I can put. I can. I can put band-aids on Zach's heads, but I can't. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, now, now uh, of course, we have an African-American veteran of that same NYPD as mayor of New York. 
Right. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not. I didn't test his do a genetic test, so I don't know his race. But I will say this: this is very important. When we look at these vigilante going back to Georgia, these vigilante voters. One guy, you you got to see this. We have one vigilante. And when you bring up African Americans, that's the point. It's new Jim Crow. So that like when they when they challenge people, they don't just challenge any people. They're challenging for the most part young people and African Americans. In the case of one vigilante challenger in Georgia, um, this guy, you, you gotta see this guy. He dresses up like a vigilante. He has a six gun with a with a um uh pearl handle. Um and he has a uh and you know, cowboy hat the whole thing because he likes hey, to go looks up like and he's pre- dressed for tourists at Boot Hill. Yes, well, he's he does this shtick where he he likes to portray, he likes to reenact of a vigilante named Doc Holiday. If you remember, this was Wyatt Earp's uh, uh, guy, his uh, his uh, right hand gun who gunned down the what the Clayton boys at the OK Corral. And so Clanton, he's very proud of he Clanton boys or whatever the hell they're called or the uh, the Bush boys whatever they were, um, whatever banditry uh, bandits. Anyway, capacity. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Copyright that. Uh, but the um, so this guy he um, he dressed like Doc Holiday. The reason by by the way Doc Holiday was a Georgian, and he had to leave Georgia because he gunned down a bunch of black men. Uh, right after Civil War, while they were uh, swimming in his favorite watering hole, and he was very upset, so he just gunned them down in in the water, and he that's when he took off for Oklahoma Territory. So oh this Doc Holiday loves to portray his hero, the uh, the guy who kills black people in bl- cold blood, and he's the guy who who challenged four thousand voters, including Major Gamaliel Turner. Now Major Gamaliel Turner is his title is very interesting. He is America's uh, expert on warfare of the future. I mean, which is bad news. I thought it'd be that there wouldn't be warfare in the future, but I guess there is. Anyway, so that's what he has to think about warfare of the future. But he is a career military. He's 69 years old, and he was assigned to uh, Port Wainimi to the uh, air base, uh, the naval air base here in California. And so, of course, he asked for his absentee ballot because he lives in Columbus, Georgia, near Fort Benning. And uh, Doc Holliday challenged his right to vote. He said, this guy doesn't live in Georgia. Now, when you see the film Vigilante, uh, and by the way, on November 2nd, if that hasn't passed already, on November 2nd, you can see the film for free at uh, look about 8 p.m., Eastern. You can see the film for free. Go to gregpalace.com gregpalace.com and uh, it will hook you up for a national showing. It's going to be introduced by a guy, Jamie Foxx, and uh, I'll be on camera afterwards to talk to you about it and you can ask (laughs) us some questions. So that's November 2nd, gregpalace.com. You can see Vigilante for nothing. But one of the things you'll see is that this guy this African American officer has been challenged by by Doc Holiday and Doc Holiday. I, I got to interject one thing, yeah. Greg. For those mm-hmm. who don't know how Greg spells his last name, it's not like a proverbial palace where people like Trump and Bill Gates live on a hill. It's P is in Paul, A L A S is in savagery, T is in tortoise shell. Palast that right. Greg Palast dot com. Palast. 
a newsletter, an email list where he will send you horror stories every month or two to haunt your dreams and when you're during the day. But it's better to know this stuff than to not know this stuff. So, uh, and, well, and I'm done note, for you. You know this stuff really well. Jello showed up. I remember when you showed up at my talk in San Francisco and you had my book, Best Democracy Money Can Buy, like underline, like almost every other. <laughs> page every other line was in yellow it was the whole thing was yellow and the only other time i've ever seen someone mark up my books that much was uh, the um the chief of the eskimo in in uh, the arctic alaskan arctic uh, etok who uh had ordered me up to speak with him um i got this letter i i don't care i'm not following a particular line you'll have to live with that i got this letter uh me and miss bad penny my uh my chief investigatrix um that says that we have that from the chief of intelligence of the free Arctic Republic. And he said that the president of the Arctic Republic, Etok, um, wanted uh, to meet with me in Koktovik. I said, where the hell is Koktovik? You know, Google map. It's like a fricking island just above the Arctic circle in the Arctic ocean. That's where he wants me to meet him. And, uh, and you know, this was not a joke. Etok is actually a very famous, if you know anything about Alaskan history, he was a very, he's passed away. He was a very, very famous um, um, Eskimo chief and whale hunter. But he was also a professor at Berkeley, um, this whale hunter teaching um, native uh, studies until um, this was during the uh, takeover. Remember the takeover of Alcatraz by the American Indian movement? This is oh, back in very the much so. 1970, about 69. Bora Eel, uh, so, who went on to start Romeo Void in front so, of the So, in, in fact, you, you see. Kid. Yeah, so, um, and you'll get this story in my book, Vulture's Picnic, which is above my head. Uh, Jello encouraged me to do um, really cheap looking product placement. Um, but uh, do read the book. But uh, the. Etok, um, so uh, um, he had taught at Berkeley until they had the takeover of Alcatraz. So his final for his students, he told everyone, all the students to meet him at the wharf in San Francisco. And uh, when they got there, he says, okay, see that boat? They were all getting on the boat and we're going to Alcatraz and we're going to stay there till we win or we die because they were the Indians had occupied Alcatraz. Right. And uh, th and three students refused to get on the boat. They said, well, because they said, when are we coming back? He said, I told you we win or we die. You may not come back. So three students refused to go. So he flunked them. Oh. <laughs> and the university said, you can't flunk students for refusing to commit a felony crime. <laughs> and, and so he lost his job. So he went back to whale hunting. It's a great. He was a great whale hunter. And uh, when I when I met him, in fact, he's wearing his father killed a bear, and he still had the bear claws. And then he had a, a wolverine around his neck with the head and claws still on. And um, he was uh, one tough and wonderful sob. And oh, yeah, and he did he did a lot for the Eskimo up there. Um, and one of the things, by the way, is that he made sure that the, that the Eskimo were allowed to vote. Because think about this, until 1924, uh, indigenous people in 
America were not allowed to vote in U.S. elections. They weren't U.S. citizens until 1924. So black people got the vote before American natives. But just like uh, black people, it was kind of more on paper than in reality. So the uh, the um, Voting Rights Act, which which put restrictions on places like Georgia, et cetera, actually also clamped down on Alaska for not uh, printing ballots in um, native tongues. Right. So there okay, you go. Well, so now, now I have all this voting shit that yeah. I'm telling you about. Well, and, I, um, I want to fast yeah. forward back okay. up to the expose and the sheer horrors of cross-check detailed in okay. the Best Democracy Money Can Buy movie, because that is, to me, kind of a lot of the template and the base of the pyramid for what Kemp and some others are taking a lot further. And um, basically, well, you go ahead and explain. We need some background on who exactly Chris Kobach is and why he's not some bumpkin from Kansas. He's actually an evil genius like you know yes. way beyond a carl rove and a steve bannon and he's young and he hasn't stopped he's just getting started right. but so this is a guy on the original yeah. cross check okay so a little bit about chris kobach if you see him in my in the film vigilante he's the guy on a jeep with a big machine gun that he was campaigning with a machine gun on top of his car the problem <laughs> which which some of the even people in kansas <laughs> said that where they have open carry. So that's a little bit much. And um, <laughs> especially some of the kids were crying on the parade route and everything because they saw this 50 cal pointed at them. I can't make this up. Anyway, he might sound like like a, and he this guy is Chris Kobach, by the way, that's a bit of advertising because he owns an automatic weapons company, which he calls a family-friendly assault rifle company. What's the Kansas. name of it? And uh, I can't remember. It's just um, uh, it, it's very strange because he's made the case that if if you don't take his guns across the border, it's not regulated whatsoever. Uh, but whatever he this guy. So self-dealing doesn't harm this guy. Now, you might think this guy is some like redneck boob. I got to tell you something. He went to Yale, Harvard and Oxford. And he yeah. is he is Donald Trump's number one supposed vote uh, fraudulent vote hunter. And right now he's running. He. Uh, he was also Secretary of State and ran for governor while he's Secretary of State. And the reason he lost two things: one, he stole the election from his lieutenant governor. He again, he counted the votes. He had lost the election. Then he, then, then Brian, then Chris Kobach decided to disqualify his opponent's votes because he's Secretary of State. So he knocked off nine hundred of his opponent's votes, and. He won the nom Republican nomination. Unfortunately, you know, people in Kansas, this is, you know, this is Eisenhower state. They right, may be Republicans, right. but they don't like being played for fools. Right. And my film, Best Democracy Money Could Buy, was shown 60 times by the League of Women Voters. And somehow the Kobach in lost Kansas? in Kansas. And um, so uh, he lost. But one of the things he did before he lost was he created a program called this program, Interstate Crosscheck. We talked about how they matched names. Like Jose Luis Garcia was supposed to be the same voter as Jose Eduardo Garcia. But, you know, they might have different middle names, but, you know, those Mexicans are sneaky, right? Well, I already know the answer to this, but he the Crosscheck was not just used in Kansas. How many nope. states was it used in? 29? I uh, went to 29, and then at the end of our film, we mentioned Alabama became the 30th state. But then what happened is when we did our film, and I also wrote this up for, um, I also wrote this up for uh, 
Rolling Stone. When we did our film and wrote it up, we exposed it. Then Jesse Jackson said, enough of this. And he forced every presidential candidate, every senator he could grab to, to go after Crosscheck. And finally, working uh, with, uh, with uh, Jesse Jackson, Rainbow Push, and we got some action from the ACLU. But this um, was set we able to tear it apart. 19, right? This was later. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was in 16, Donald Trump was able to use, they knocked off, are you ready? 1.1 million voters with this system. And That's it? And, I, thought, and, I thought it was more than that. No, 1.1. Well, they accused, they accused 7 million voters of voting twice, but they were only able to knock off about a million. And but of course, only, this, this but was keep, it, keep in mind that, and I want to remind you, um, Hillary Clinton supposedly lost Michigan, which used this, this evil system by 10,000 votes. She only lost Wisconsin by a few thousand, by like 12,000 votes or 9,000 votes. So, you know, this does North Carolina it, it, too. It determined right? the, ele- it determined the election. North Carolina was really bad. And, but you know what? The Democrats the Democrats now, the League of Women Voters (ACLU) uh, and it's and particularly Jesse Jackson raised hell about it. But the Democratic Party said nothing. In fact, are you ready for this? Alcee Hastings, the, the African American congressman, right, right? He got my article from Rolling Stone on crosscheck, and he personally said, "I walked across the bridge at the, uh, I walked across the Potomac River." on a bridge, of course, not on the water. He he was a great guy, but not that great. Um, He used the bridge. He crossed the Potomac, went to the Justice Department, walked into the office of the Attorney General and handed it, handed it to Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General. And she said, I want you to read Greg Palace's article on cross-check. And I'm handy. I've walked here and put it in your hands so you can't say you never got it. So they got it and exactly... Nothing was done about it. Oh, I know. The, this, the, this still just makes me enraged. Every time I think about it, I thought right after that election happened and I knew what Crosscheck had done, where they could use 29 states worth of voters and kick thousands of Jose Gonzalez's off all over the country. And most of them who voted by mail never knew it had even happened. That That's the other problem. Like this vigilante voter challenge, this major who was lucky because like this guy who challenged 4,000 voters, they were actually supposed to get their ballots and then the state throws them away. You have this weird, this horrible system where you right, don't even know you think, right. Oh, I voted. Yeah. Well, the major got lucky because he asked for his absentee ballot and a clerk made a mistake and said, I can't send you your ballot. He said, why not? He said, because you've been challenged. They said, no problem. Just, just, and then they told him, you know what they told him? They said, don't worry, just come into our office. He says, I'm 2,600 miles away. The election's in three days. And you, you know, you talk to fools like that. And by the way, I'm not a fool. And so he got some lawyers. He saved his vote, but the other 4,000 people in Muskogee are not allowed to vote. But, but, but back to what happened in uh, 2016 with all these people getting kicked out all over the place. I even thought, and I noticed, you know, as I say, a lot of these crackpot senators who shouldn't have been senators got back in just to Mm -hmm. time to put those horrible people on the Supreme court, let McConnell run the show again, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought even then the day after, you know, the gut punch of getting off a long plane flight from Medellin to Panama city when Hillary was ahead and then getting off the plane and found out that it was like finding out suddenly somebody had broken into my parents' house 
house and bludgeoned my parents to death or something. It was it was like a gut punch, like only a really unexpected, horrible death by bad means can do it. Felt it physically and a lot of other people did too. But then I thought, yep, Palast movie was right. So let's see what happens the next day. Where was Bernie Sanders? Where was Elizabeth Warren? They didn't say anything. And then on top of it, here's this scheming creature who, I'm being gender neutral, who is trying to make herself president for at least the last dozen years. And she didn't do anything either. She had to know <coughs> that Crosscheck was there. And instead, she yeah. just went for a walk in the park with her husband being bumped when she could have been all over the news shouting it from the mountaintops, as well, see, should all these other people. Where were they? Well, here, this is a big problem that we have. First of all, like Al Gore, he threw the, you know, he, he stopped complaining. He, you know, they went to the Supreme Court, Bush v. Gore. But here's the problem. It wasn't Al Gore's votes to give up. It was black people in Florida who lost their vote. Why was he even involved in the case? It's not his vote. In fact, actually, he wasn't even on the ballot in in uh, in Florida because, as you know, it's Electoral College. Um, he doesn't live in Florida. And it wasn't his votes to give up. Uh, Hillary Clinton, same thing. Wasn't her votes to give up to say it's okay. Now, seven. you ready for this? I went to Michigan after her supposed loss. 75,000 ballots were not counted in Michigan. Almost every one of those ballots were in Detroit where the, where the scanning machines had broken down. And so 75,000 ballots were not counted. Now, so what happened was they said, well, we don't know who they voted for. Oh, yeah, it's African-American districts, precincts in, in Detroit. And you don't know who they voted for? Well, and what you, you could say... do is, and then what happened was they actually started to count. But you're right. It wasn't Hillary Clinton. It was uh, Jill Stein who paid for, who raised $9 million and paid for the counting of those 75,000 right. uncounted ballots. People, by the way, people keep people keep for saying this wrong. They keep saying that Jill, count, Jill Stein was paying for a recount of the votes. That's not true. She was paying to have the 75,000 ballots that were never counted, counted. They started counting them. And of course, Hillary Clinton was walking away with it in those uncounted ballots and ballots that were wrongly disqualified and then donald trump went to court and said jill stein cannot have these ballots recounted because you can count these seventy-five thousand ballots a hundred times and she still won't win so she has no legal right to demand the ballots be counted only hillary clinton can do that the judge turned to hillary clinton's lawyers who were sitting there in the courtroom and said well what do you want to do do you want to recount hillary clinton has the power to, to count these ballots what do you want to do? And you know what their line was? We are just here to observe. That's like the Democratic Party slogan. We are just here to observe. Well, that that also makes me wonder, and I you know, said this at a zillion spoken word shows after Al Gore didn't fight and after 2000 and his vice president, that horrid Lieberman guy who blamed Marilyn Manson for the Columbine shootings to get his name in the paper. That guy. Anyway, um... That it was, it was like, well, why why aren't they shouting it from the mountaintops? Even if they don't technically have the kind of standing you're talking about, is whose votes it is. They are the public face of this. They're who people actually voted for. Where are they to save their own elections? And I thought, you know, 
But no, no, but they are saving their seat. Okay, I'm going to now I'm going to tell you. Let me finish my thing and then we'll go. Okay. Okay. Gore came from a very wealthy family. So did John Kerry. Hillary didn't miss too many meals either. Was the fix just in where they were supposed to play the loser and make perfectly good points of view look bad as effectively as Walter Mondale and Michael Dukakis and John Kerry did over and over again? Here's the thing. There's one party. It's the Hezbollah Shekel, the party of the cash. And what happens is, is that they will always, it's one single elite. They all tend to get along very well. I mean, lately there's been some tensions within the elite, but for the most part, um, most part, they're dancing cheek to cheek. They feel far more comfortable at the country club with Mitch McConnell than they do at the club with you, Jello. And so that's how it works. So, no, it, they, it's there. Okay. So as long so guess who wins? It's always, guess who wins? The ruling class. So what happens is, is that they, you get, um, they pick your candidates and you get to choose which of their people. And, and as far as they're concerned, they're all, they're still winners. Bill Clinton um, is, you know, went out and earned, uh, he and his, and uh, Hillary, they declare that they're worth at least a quarter billion dollars. John Kerry is a multi, multi billionaire. Um, and you know, so they, when you say they lost Al Gore, got his grew a beard and got his Nobel prize. And so they, they all did quite fine. So why should they bitch? Another bonus. I mean, he got rid of, he got, he got the Nobel prize. And as part of the deal, they said, we'll, we'll get rid of Tipper for you too. So, um, just don't complain. So the thing is he, he didn't care that that black people had their votes taken away. It didn't matter to him. And you're, and when you see my film, you'll see a lot of black people, strong black people, like even the major, the warrior in tears over losing their vote. Al Gore ain't shed no tears for anyone's vote. He's doing perfectly fine. Hillary Clinton is doing perfectly fine. So we have this canard where we say, Oh, American elections are perfect. And anyone who says that American elections get stolen, we're going to take you off YouTube. So that you know that you know how many YouTubes this might be taken off too if you try to put it on YouTube or Facebook, because uh, if any if they if the robots or the Chinese drones that they have reviewing this stuff hear trigger words like stolen election or stolen votes, they go aha, we're not allowed to say on social media stolen elections, stolen votes. Uh, wrongful elections, poisoned elections. November, if you do. December 2016, not only were we hearing nothing, even from Bernie Sanders or whoever, but also um, you were noticeably absent, as was Crosscheck, from Cable McNews. Not even, you know, Rachel Maddow right. or Chris Hayes. None of them allowed you on the air, as far as I That's know. Right. Just like after 2000 and well, 2004, I mean, Joy Reid fair. did. Joy Reid did. And I started digging her wait, from wait. that point onward. Well, let me. Okay. I don't know if you noticed. You may not have noticed. But Joy Reid is. Don't tell anyone. She's black. I get on the black shows. Okay. But the pale face. Like I said when I was over at uh, MSNBC. What about the pale face hosts? Um, I got to be careful because. Um, I'm waiting for a call back from Lawrence O'Donnell, but, <laughs> but for the most part, but, uh, but you know, if he remembers he's white, then I guess I'm screwed, but we'll see. But at any rate, the, um, 
the point is that yes, American media um, is not covering, does not cover these stories because the American, the National Petroleum Radio and and the Petroleum Broadcast System, and then of course the Foxhole and the CBS Eyeball, which is just a pimple on Viacom's rectum, um, <laughs> and um, the they will not never say America has anything but the most perfect, wonderful elections. And they've put us in with Trump. So like, for example, Stacey Abrams, who cited Greg Palace, cited my work in saying that she was not, she was not lost the race in 2018 because they shafted her out of uh, tens of thousands of votes. And she cited my work, but now they say, Oh, you're just like Trump. You're saying the election was stolen. You're, you're the same as Trump. No, she says the difference is that I have the evidence and Trump's just making it up. And, and but it was a smokescreen with him. He was claiming the election was rigged, rigged in 2016, five right. or six months before the vote. And I thought, oh, my God, he well, knows. Well, like I said, I wrote, I actually wrote a book called Smokescreen. I wrote a book. I wrote a book how, how Trump stole 2020. And uh, which, of course, is banned now. I mean, literally, Amazon will not even show it what's the uh, name of because, the book uh how trump stole 2020 which he almost remember he came out of 180 million ballots he officially lost only by 44,000 in uh in uh, arizona wisconsin and georgia 11,000 votes in georgia <laughs> but so one of the things so but you can't talk about these things being jacked with and by the way, the only reason why it was close is because of these rules that they came up with. In Wisconsin, in fact, he would have lost if I hadn't done a, uh, an analysis of the purge lists for Black Voters Matter. Uh, and the state elections board, which is bipartisan, saw my material and others and said, this purge list is junk. They were going to remove, they were going to remove 140,000 voters. We proved that a third of that list at least 40,000 voters were perfectly legal voters. Their only crime was voting while black or voting while students. And if it wasn't for that, Biden would have lost Wisconsin. He only won by 10,000 votes in Wisconsin. No, I mean, all, all this rigging and fixes are still well in. They talk about how so many people hated Trump, but, you know, they barely won the Senate. They barely won the House. And it wasn't just because of mediocre, spineless candidates in many cases, but not all. It was also because a lot of it, again, as you say, got jacked with. Um, wasn't cross-check still in place in a lot of these places, a lot of these states in 2018 as well? Uh, in it collapsed by 2018. Then oh. they had new systems. They had, because right. we, we, you know, that's one thing I want to tell people. When you do expose these things, when you turn the lights, the cockroaches run to the walls. And they have to junk cross-check. They have other systems. They have all these systems. They have to junk and start again like they had a trouble with the felon vote calling people felons because once we expose that as a con and in fact in georgia what uh, in florida people actually voted to eliminate they were one of the last states which says you're permanently barred from voting if you have a felony conviction the problem is that half the people on the felony list are just black people that put on the list they said oh well and i kid you not they literally said john jones was convicted in Ohio. In fact, actually, I'll give you a re, uh, an actual example. This is a crazy one. Well, but there were tens of thousands of these examples. Um, 
a Willie Osteen was convicted of a felony crime in Ohio. He's, by the way, was white. I looked it up. Willie Osteen. And they removed a black voter named Willie Steen in Florida, saying he was, well, obviously he's the same guys in Ohio, even though the guy in, in Florida says clearly on the records is black. The Ohio guy is white and they have a different age and they have, they spell their last names differently, but they didn't care. There's a black guy they could knock off the voter rolls. And well, they here's did the, here's the, but then they have to keep finding new things. So we call it, it's whack-a-mole every right. two years. They got something new and I got to beat it up. Well, here's here. How do you address the danger I'm about to lay out though? And there's a few of okay. them. This one is after I, and a lot of other people saw best democracy money can buy in 2016 in San mm-hmm. Francisco. I heard a lot of chatter on the street. Well, boy, if it's all this rigged, I mean, why should I vote at all? Oh, okay. That's a canard. In other words, if someone's how, stealing, how your, do you get people to vote anyway? Wait, just a second. Someone's breaking into your car, and you say, "Wait a minute. Here's the key. It's easier that way." I mean, so you want to steal your own vote? I mean, hello. They're stealing it because it's valuable. If someone's sticking their hand, I've, have you ever been pickpocketed? Some some really bad pickpocket try to put their hand in my pocket to take my wallet once, and should I've just said? Um, well, that tickles. That's fine. Gee, you're taking my wallet. That's okay. They're taking. They're, it's a theft. They're taking your vote. Okay, it's valuable. That's why they're stealing it. Because, let me explain something. No one steals votes to steal elections, Jello. You steal votes to steal the money. It gives because if you win these elections, you have access to the public's wallets. You have access to the rules. You have access to the tax code. You have access to the contracts. You have access to you name it. And that's why they steal elections. They're in it for the money. And um, so that's what's going on here. But don't steal your own vote. I mean, that, that's well, that's uh, insane. An- another reason I tell people that, you know, not to steal their own votes, so to speak, is even if it's corporate cartoon character A versus corporate cartoon character B for the bit higher national offices in most cases, the further you go down the ballot, the part that people don't pay attention to, the more important your vote becomes. Because so few yeah. people vote city council, ballot initiatives, who's the sheriff, who's going to be on the school board. Do they want to educate people or force them to pray to their own fascist Christian God? And and you know and get and and are all addicted to this thing called critical race theory that no two people can define the same way and whatnot, except if they've studied it in those handful of college classes. You get my point. I mean, if people did not pay attention to ballot initiatives, we would never have rent control. We would never well, have decriminalized cannabis. We would, and, but and, and if we don't show up and vote, you get things like Proposition 13 that gutted the tax base in this state, in California, and or the Tabor Law in Colorado being a possibly worse example. The same <laughs> thing, you get anti-immigration things. In some cases, you even get anti-reproductive rights. Whereas in Kansas, of all places, enough people got riled and realized it effective and showed up to vote to save a woman's right to control her own body in the state constitution in Kansas. That's That's where votes by people who are fed up with corporate clowns voted anyway and got results. Well, one of the things, like we mentioned before, 
this important office called Secretary of State. How many people even know who their Secretary of State is? I mean, it's uh, we don't know who our Secretary of States are, I and mean, they're what? the people who determine whether you whether your vote counts, whether your vote. I, people don't realize, like in an average presidential election, two million. Let me repeat that: two million votes are officially disqualified. Like if you send in, like everyone's excited about mail-in balloting. It's very dangerous, just so you know, because if you mail in your ballot and you put in, in like, for example, in Georgia, they have something called exact match. If you sign your the outside of your ballot on the return address and you leave out your middle initial when you put your return address, but you register with your middle initial, your ballot's going to be disqualified. Right. If you it, Here in California. OK, you think all the surfer dudes are cool. Well, do you remember surfer girl running for uh, mayor of San Diego? That is Donna Fry, who's, you know, Skip Fry was the world's champion surfer. She was a female champion surfer and she ran for mayor of San Diego and she won. But um, the Republicans went back through the ballots and went through absentee ballots and disqualified 5000 absentee ballots. Because they didn't properly fill in a bubble. People, there's a bubble next to the candidate's name and it says fill in the bubble. And if you put an X or a check, your ballot can be disqualified. So they disqualified. Now, my mother, who's a school teacher, my sister is a lawyer, had their ballots disqualified because they put X's instead of filling in the bubble. They literally got their ballots disqualified. And that's how the Republicans took the mayorality of San Diego. I can't make this up. They literally threw the election because they went through and said you put a check mark instead of a bubble. But this is happening. How did they all find out America. that it happened? Usually, they don't even tell the voters when they're back. Well, that's the other thing is that some in in some states, California is one. New York, most states these days, you can actually if you hand in your absentee ballot, you can find out if your ballot was counted. Now, this is important for another reason. In places like Georgia, if you hand in your ballot and they should give you a number because by the way you know every ballot has a number on it take a look oh, i fact, keep I, those little perforated receipts myself yeah so but if you look on the outside of a california or any ballot uh any absentee ballot it has a barcode and a qr code those are unique to that ballot no your ballot is not secret sorry i can go and find the barcode for jello biafra and um i can say challenge it now they're no, not supposed can't. to show me that's not vote. my birth name i don't vote as jello biafra Shh. <laughs> <laughs> vote for as two people jello and biafra but i'm your secret's safe with me and the million people listening uh but the um but yes, so you can check, and if your ballot wasn't counted because they didn't like the way you signed your name or something like that, uh, you can go in and get it fixed. In Georgia, you have six days to do it. By the way, that's the only way that Biden won uh, the state is because there were so many challenges to Democratic votes. But what they were shocked at is that the groups like Black Voters Matter Fund called everyone whose ballot was challenged and got them to the polls, got them back to the voting offices. And had them uh, what they call cure their ballots. So voting is not as simple as just How much walking of that in. Or, infrastructure yeah. with mm-hmm. Black Voters Matter, Black churches, other activist groups, and whatnot. How many are poised right now to do a, this on a much bigger scale in uh, 2022? Because it's going to need a much bigger scale. 
Are people and the answer organized is gigantic. for that or not? Yes, absolutely. That's why people like again, November second, we're going to have in the evening. We're going to have you go to gregpalace.com. I'm going to sell this to you again because I don't get any. It's free. Um, you can see the film Vigilante, George's vote suppression hitman, which is talking about a vigilante system, which now spread to 10 states, by the way. But the important thing is that that showing is organized by Black Voters Matter, Rainbow Push Coalition, NAACP, um, ACLU of Southern California is doing showing and others. And people are are ready, are on the front lines, ready to fight. Now, I got to tell you, Joe Biden was as shocked by winning Georgia as Trump was shocked. Um, the Democratic Party was completely shocked by uh, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff, the two Democrats running, winning the U.S. Senate races. They're, they are the two of the most progressive senators, and here they represent Georgia. Now, for now, how did that happen for now until they can figure out a way to steal it? Because both parties were shocked. What they didn't realize is that the groups on the ground, Georgia is the most organized state in America with progressive organizations. There's no other state like it. Um, and, and they just ignored the democratic party. They just right. said, we're going to let our people vote. And by the way, these are nonpartisan groups. They just figure if you let people vote, they're not going to screw it up. They're not going to run out and vote for Herschel Walker. And other <laughs> well, right now it's, a, you know, it's, that's what I'm concerned about because these polls say dead heat. And the reason why some of the polls get it wrong on this is that, um, well, one, they don't figure the steal. So they go, oh, Republicans got more votes. Do you think? No, that's not true. It's just that they have suppressed the, the Democrat. Right. The other is right. that they that they don't figure on the massive organizing and who's turning out. So like a pollster will discount. They just it's just the, the damn truth. They'll discount a black voters likelihood of voting. And um, well, in I, Georgia, I that doesn't happen. I just hope Michael Moore is right that all those voters that are the real, dare I say, silent majority that he's counting on to show up on our side really are not only going to show up on our side, but actually have their ballots counted this time. And that brings us to a second grave danger that's already rearing its head and being documented and turning up in some news reports. They couldn't wait till election day to show up with their trucks and their guns, like when they stormed the K-State Capitol in Michigan, there's that that may be going on and whatnot. How, you know, older people of any color, how likely are they going to want to vote if there are all these guys and their monster trucks and their machine guns just sitting there, maybe even pointing it at them or stopping them ahead of time saying, you know, I'm here to challenge your vote. Can you prove you're a voter and physically stop them? Is there anything being done by our own Justice Department to send actual real election observers just with camera phones, Jimmy Carter in third world country style in order? in order to, if not prevent this, at least document it so not even Clarence Thomas and his wife can ignore it if the elections are obviously stolen by vigilantes who forgot to get their white hood out of the drawer and brought machine guns instead. Yeah, well, it's mostly, what I'm concerned is not about the machine guns so much as the turning the white sheets into spreadsheets where they're literally like this this Georgia thing. I mean, you have to understand, one person handing in thumb drives with thousands of names of voters that, that 
uh, they're blocking their vote. But the but the thing is, is that people are so organized in places like Georgia. And by the way, um, yes, there's intimidation. You see this. Uh, in fact, Brian Kemp himself was using the Georgia Bureau of Investigation as a little kind of a personal voting Gestapo. He was like, arresting like black voting officials. Florida. Well, you know, I mean, I got to tell you, so Georgia started this with its own voting police force. And for example, one of the infamous cases, as soon as he got into office as secretary of state, he had 10 black school board members arrested in Quitman, Georgia. Uh, these are teachers and two of them were PhDs. He had them arrested facing felony charges. They could go to jail for five to 10 years. And what were they doing? They supposedly were stuffing ballots Absy ballots. Now I told you about each Absy ballot has a unique uh, barcode and QR code on it. You can't you, to stuff ballots. You can't just photocopy ballots, fill them out. You have to have that particular ballot, and you have to know the exact signature. And then they can go back again. You can go back and see through the you know oh these ballots were voted, and you can see if the voters actually cast those ballots as opposed to someone just stealing it and filling it out. Very hard to do, and so. Of course, a jury threw this crap out right away. These ten, uh, these ten uh, school teachers and, and PhDs um, that Kemp had arrested, but one of them, they went through four years of trials. You know, while the while the trials are pending, their lives are ruined. They lost their fortunes. One woman said, "You know, uh, if only I committed, if I commit suicide, this will all be over." And then another one did die, uh, and uh, a young woman who had lupus. And, you know, if you have stress, that could get you. And her father said, the cause of my, fa of my daughter's death is Brian P. Kemp. He did it to my daughter. And this, so in terms of physical intimidation, it's not just the wax in, in the white hoods are dressed like Doc Holliday. In Georgia and in Florida, they are using official state agencies to intimidate people, to make false arrests, to shut down their operations. Brian Kemp has arrested dozens of people and never gotten one single conviction ever for vote fraud, not one. And yet he's arrested all these people. Uh, he's threatening Stacey Abrams. The, you know, there's one woman uh, who's in my film, Ense Ufot, and she was the, the director of the Canadian Bar Association. She's a lawyer. She's the top, one of the top lawyers on the planet. They've charged her. She could go to jail for 10 years now because they claim that when her group uh, gathered um, registration forms, that instead of turning them in within 10 days, as the law required, they handed them in, in two days late, they claim. And for handing in registration forms two days late, these people are facing 10 years in prison from Brian Kemp. Nice guy. Well, I, another another law he helped arrange to get put through by the gerrymandered legislature. Those offices matter too, boys and girls. And here's yes. one more reason why. The vote suppression law or laws in Georgia, among other things, are guaranteeing, you know, you can't vote early as much if at all. So there's going to be incredibly long lines anywhere there might be anybody who isn't white or isn't, you know, older right. camp voters. And it also is illegal if people wait in line all day and into the night. What if they're thirsty? What if they're hungry? 
you bring them a glass of water, you can be arrested under this Felony. new Georgia voting law. So what I That's think, right. talk about, you know, jamming the gates and whatnot or, wh- or whatever. There should be a mass attack on those voting lines of people wielding glasses of water. And there, the actually, I actually uh, to take them all away and lock them up and have the news cameras there, at least the camera phones too, watching dozens, if not hundreds of people getting arrested for possession of a glass of water. Right. Again, well, Papa John's Pizza was handing out calzones. And I said, you know, this is a felony crime in Georgia. <laughs> they said, well, these people got to eat. So what happens is, so, so you know, we're laughing, but it, it's really true. I mean, when I was in Cobb County, which is a suburb of Georgia right, right. in 2020, they had 11 early voting stations. This is a gigantic uh, county physically right, and right. population-wise. They closed. Of the six early voting stations, they closed of the excuse me 11 early voting stations they closed six of them five of them were the voting stations in african-american neighborhoods so you had black people who would go who were going to their i have this on camera black people going to their voting station and they're told they have to drive 10 to 15 miles this is no joke to go to the other station and then the lines are now because they, they cut the voting place in half. Now the lines are three, four hours long. And God forbid someone hands you a glass of water. And then you get up to the front. And they say, your ballot's been challenged. Um, and so now you get something called a, a provisional, provisional ballot, which is like a placebo ballot. You, right. So you think you right. voted, but you haven't. Right. Um, and don't accept those provisional ballots. It's feed the Fight like a dog. Ballots. Yeah, feed the shredder ballots. So this is the games that are being played. And yet... And yet Biden took the state and the two Democrats took the state because they can't. I got to be f- careful about the phrasing I use so you don't get pulled off YouTube, but they can't shoplift all the votes all the time. They can't do that. We can only hope. And well, so far, that's what I've seen in America. What we have is we we have a system where they can put their thumb on the scale, but they still have a scale. And so part of it is to overwhelm the steel. That's one of the one of the main things to do is that because your vote is valuable. So number one, can you win with fifty one percent of the vote? No, give that up, forget about it. That means that you got to try even harder. Make and make right. number one. Anyone listening to this, if you haven't checked your registration, you're insane. I don't care how many times you voted the same place. Second, if you send an absentee ballot, go online because you'll have a number. Go online and check if that ballot was counted. If it's not, oh, you better yeah. get, I, I get not, your. I, I somehow that escaped me until just now. Right. That you can actually save that little stub from my mail-in ballot and check online to make and sure. Check online and check yeah. online, and if it hasn't been counted, you Good better get point. down to your county registrar's office and get your ballot counted. And I know it's a pain in the ass. Well, too bad. Well, here's, too bad. Here's, here's another way to counter some of this. The the law, the voter suppression laws in Texas, of course, are rigged at least as bad as Georgia in some ways, where there's supposed to be now one ballot drop box for all of Harris County. And Harris County is the city of Houston, which has millions and millions of people. And you have one drop box. I would hope the more democratic leaning city government of Houston said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the 
biggest shipping container we can <laughs> off a ship, put it on a semi, and that is the new Dropbox. So everybody's ballot, because there's going to be enough of them that it's going to take a shipping container to do it, and none of Abbott's vigilantes, the you know the governor abattoir, can uh, can uh, come up here and steal the little mailbox and steal all the ballots in the back of a truck. No, you've got to get a whole semi there to get it. In that case, you know, make it nice and big. People with well, actually, and I have to tell you, to get all the paper in. Two days ago, the election supervisor of Harris County, Houston, that you're just talking about, the two days ago, the election supervisor called me and asked if he could play my film Vigilante for his entire election staff so that they could be prepared. Here, here. So, so, so you literally have the election supervisor saying, we have to see your film. And this, the election supervisor for Cook County, which is Chicago and environs, they just showed my film to the entire staff. So we have some of the more progressive uh, voting officials, these county voting officials in Houston, Chicago, Milwaukee, oh, where God, the voting Milwaukee. officials themselves, the voting officials themselves are playing my film Vigilante. Now, this might sound awful. You say, oh, my God, I don't want to see a training film, you know, like these syphilis things. And <laughs> I don't want to see a training. It's it's not. I just want to warn well, you. know I how to entertain you. people better than yes, that. Yes, because it is not. And Jello could tell you that the film is not um, a PBS good for you white guys in front of bookcases pontificating at you. It is this guy in a hat. I'm a detective. Uh, running after bad guys, hunting them down. And then you get to meet good guys like the major and his family who are real warriors. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, World War II, they used to call warriors on two fronts, black people who are fighting Nazis in Europe and, and the Klan in, um, in uh, Georgia. Right. And, uh, you know, but again, one thing we found out in the film is that this whole vigilante voter challenge was created first by Eugene Talmadge, who was the, the Klan's candidate for governor of Georgia. He won by getting Klan members to challenge every single black person that they could find. But they had to do it on single was sheets he Herman of paper. Talmadge's they, father? Yes, he was. I thought and, so. And Eugene Talmadge, is a, he has his own bridge going across the river in Savannah. And, um, and, and he was about to be, you'll find out in the film, he was about to be indicted by the federal government because unlike the current Justice Department, in 1946, Harry Truman's Justice Department thought removing, systematically removing black voters from the voter rolls was a felony crime. Today, it's kind of ignored is you know it's okay no no trying but, to stay on the rolls is a felony crime right, and right Texas, yeah so georgia right. and so Ohio what's happened is, is that they, they're so they're about to arrest uh, eugene talmage the fbi except as i say in the film he had a a, a fatal accident with a bottle of bourbon he <laughs> drank himself to death uh in 46 and that's wow, when black so people were first allowed to be before this is a, so in 46 is when black people were again I say again because they had the vote after world uh, after the Civil War. The Fifteenth Amendment gave the vote to black people, and then the Democratic Party's uh, military wing, the Ku Klux Klan, took it away. So when when vigilante 
shows for free at gregpalace.com at November 2nd. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, and fill in the blank. If you're in those places dismissed by corporate Democrats as flyover states, watch it anyway. So what I'm now getting from this is your hope of putting it up for free and trying to get as many people to watch it as possible. Theoretically, even though they're streaming it from you, they can then save it somewhere in their own device, can't yes. they? Yes. And okay, then so let's get- have their mm-hmm. own meetings, precinct meetings, League of Women Voters meeting, League of Pissed Off Voters meetings, whatever, can then show this movie to others all the way up to Election Day and then hit the streets and uh, kick ass. Well, in fact, I'll make your life easier. The November 2nd, we call it the, the impact screening, which will be handled by all these groups. Um, that's for individuals. So you can watch it on your TV screen, whatever your, your iPhone, your, you know, your, whatever your um, electronic cat. But if you have a group and when I say a group, it could be, you know, a small, a church group, a, a massage circle, um, whatever you've got. We can send you, if you go to gregpalace.com and says contact Greg, we will send you a link. Uh, it could be a high resolution file to project. We also have DVDs. We have Blu-rays. And if you got yourself a theater, we even have those things called DCPs for commercial theaters. We will help you put on a screening immediately. Come to me. Say, I'm going to put on a screening at my uh, at my gym. Uh, I'm going to put on a screening at my, uh, you know, at my, uh, Republican, uh, club meeting. <laughs> it's happened. Um, legal women voters, anything you've got, uh, we will provide you a copy of the film because the point is to get it out and get it in your hands because it's a weapon. And like I say, the, the groups in, uh, you know, like I say, we have the NAACP, we have uh, rainbow push, we have so many other organizations that have been backing us. And uh, what I want to do is make sure that people know what's coming up so that when they are challenged and go, what? It means you've got to go into your county office, prove you are who you are, prove you're an American. And you think, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you are. Cause I'll tell you why. Cause they don't, they want you to say, oh, it's too much of a bother to save our democracy. Well, I don't care if it's a big bother. You're going to do it because I'm going to hunt you down and tell Jello what you did or didn't do he's worse than a tooth fairy (laughs) he's talking about me (laughs) yeah because you're gonna bite people if they don't vote (laughs) and they don't protect their vote we're doing what we can and this is this is definitely one of the avenues uh renegade roundtable has just launched and i'm trying to have on nothing but election oriented stuff going up before the election, even though the first two are people, most people who don't know them well enough would dismiss as people who don't know and don't care about these things, who are actually smart as a whip about it. The entire second half, or at least the last third of my time with Al Jorgensen and my time with Mojo Nixon are all about nuts and bolts electoral politics, not like everybody should be anarchists and nobody should vote, but stuff on the ground to do in our two-party system 
right yeah. now, as well as their own ideas as to what our, you know, as you know, our little like neutered, castrated Democrats should be doing. But I think it looks it's looking like that's going to be an entire other conversation, as well as all the other things I wanted to talk to you about well, yeah, today. We'll, but we'll, we're going to have to do this yeah. after the we'll election. We'll do it another too. time. But 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 I have one one last one last question and, and then circle around with you what you want to do here. You have a book. Well, first of all, we've interviewed you as a newsman and a documentarian. Is Tarian? How many books have you published? Yeah, uh, I'm like Boris Johnson trying to figure out how many children I have. <laughs> I think I've, I've published six books. Only six. And, uh, six. I, well, because. Actually, what people don't realize, you may not know this, I only became a journalist in my late 40s. I was an investigator. I was I was actually a detective investigator when I wore this hat and my raincoat, just like Columbo. And that's what I did. Uh, and then I decided that these cases I was doing, like I was up in Alaska on the Exxon Valdez case and other cases around the world, that you weren't getting in the news. You weren't getting the real story. You were getting the bullshit. You were getting the corporatized um, propaganda story. And, uh, it was making me sick. So I decided I was going to be a journalist and tell the story directly to the public. Cause I was instead just giving my stuff to the justice department or, or others where it just gets buried or lost or forgotten. And then the papers get it all wrong. And so, um, I quickly found out that I couldn't tell my story in the United States. So I had to go into exile. I, I, fax some stuff to the guardian they said get on a plane to england we need you here right now and then bbc nightly news so i became a reporter for the bbc an investigative reporter for bbc nightly news and then um their program Newsnight, and then uh, the guardian and you papers out in in so i was and then al jazeera so all over the world i was all over the news but in america the stuff just bounces off the electronic Berlin wall. So thank you, Jello, because this is how we sneak the stuff in. Oh yeah, they don't want to hear this. Well, they well don't part want of what happens, part of what happened with us, I didn't know about you either, or even Best Democracy Money Can Buy, but somehow you hooked up with my main fellow art criminal, Winston Smith, who's done so much of the art for Dead Kennedys, all the yes. way up to my last Guantanamo School of Medicine band album, uh, Tea Party Revenge Porn, and he was doing art for you and took me to one of your talks, and then... Uh, we hit it off on a number of levels, including a diabolical prankster's sense of humor. But more importantly to me, as far as your skills as a muckraker, before we get back to what I was trying to do with the books, is don't you have an economics degree and you studied law for several years, but never quite yes, finished? So you can actually well, read documents that people like us, so you know, it looks like like just total hieroglyphics because it isn't as simple as rock and roll lyrics or whatever? Well, <laughs> well, I got to tell you that most people would be shocked to find out that I have my degrees in economics. I was a protege of Milton Friedman. Remember the, yeah. the right-wing dwarf? Yeah, we're going to go into that deeper uh, in conversation. And, and so I actually have my degrees in economics. I actually lectured um, at the uh, University of uh, Cambridge University Department of Applied Economics and University of Sao Paulo. So I have that background. And then I, yes, I, I did go to law school, not to become a lawyer, but in fact, to learn the legal process where I became like an expert witness in these billion dollar racketeering cases. 
And uh, but then that's why I decided to go into journalism, because people didn't know what the hell was really going on. I'd be doing these cases and these investigations, but the public was left in the dark. But you of, know, all, like, of uh, all your yeah. of all your books, the one you put above your head for product placement, the one that blew Al's mind when I gave him the copy that you gave me to give him is called Vulture's Picnic. Tell us yep. a, the semi-long story about why that book and what is Vulture's Picnic. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I have very little time because I right. Have to I know, be I know. On the radio, I wanted to make sure that I want to make but, sure that. Yeah, but yeah. I want to. Yes, you're right. Besides watching vigilante film on November second at GregPalace.com. One last plug on that. But the but Vulture's Picnic, which um, I'm hoping will uh, looks like it may now be made into a film. But Vulture's Picnic is really the story of of the life. It's the saw. You see the whole sausage being made because when. Seymour Hirsch gives you a story about, uh, you know, uh, what's going on in Afghanistan or something. It's written in this New York Times tentorian, uh, a reverse pyramid. It's like watching paint dry. So I wanted to do a real, a real nonfiction detective story uh, with a real nonfiction detective, me. And so what I'm, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's me. So you're going to have to live with the fact that I have colonoscopies, a crappy car. My kids hate me most of the time, etc. You get all this stuff. And then all my, you know, the complexities of my, uh, love life and lack of love life or whatever the heck is going on, all the crazy people I meet and all the stuff about how I actually go get these people, how I get the bad guys. Because when you see me on TV or even on film, I just show up and I'm doing what seems to be amazing crap. Well, that's because I spent a year preparing to jump some SOB. I didn't just find the vigilante. That was a major, major operation right. to get these to to get these people and to get them to put on his six guns for the camera. <laughs> but we did it. We did it. And we got Doc Holliday out there with his six guns. And then what we did was he put him in a room. Right. With this, right. with the major. And that's the type of thing that the book explains to you how we end up there. And it is my life and my investigations. And I'm making a simple point. You know, I, what was it? It was originally, by the way, my book, Best Democracy Money Could Buy, was supposed to be called Burning Down the House. You know, like, um, like burning uh, down the from, 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 yeah, from David Byrne that I'm just an ordinary guy burning down the house. Uh -huh. And what I'm trying to get across is the idea. A lot of people say, oh, you have all these special skills. You do all this stuff. You know what? You could do it too. You right, could well, do he, it too. Here's two things, and then most of it's going to be for another time. But you've mm -hmm. gone very deeply into the real politics and manipulations of oil is one <laughs> and another one. Oh my God, just, that will have to be another yeah. show. But yes, another in fact, one, Vultures. Yeah. Another one that you've dug deeper into. I mean, Tea Party Revenge Porn Album has a song called We Created Putin, and that's coming from one angle, which I don't have time to go into, but you have gone into a whole other angle on how powers that be in this country engineered his rise to power. That's right, and with his billionaires, and he was the Pinochet. Actually, they actually talked to Pinochet before they picked Putin. The oligarchs, the oligarchs in Russia working with the U.S. bankers, et cetera, decided we needed that they that Yeltsin was a drunk that no one was going to accept very much longer. <laughs> so they had to find someone. They said they were they went on a talent hunt 
believe it or not, a talent hunt to find a Pinochet, a Pinochet for um, for Russia. And they actually spoke to General Pinochet, you know, the the mass no, where the guy dropped Pinochet people out of hell. Dictator of Chile for so long. Right. He he dropped out right, he liked to throw people out of helicopters. Um, murdered three thousand of his own civilians in a coup d'etat against the elected government. And that's who they wanted. They wanted a Pinochet because the one thing Pinochet did or, or Pinochet as he's often called, um, is that he would, uh, you know, he pleasured the big, the big corporate interests. Of course. And if you dissented, he'd cut your fricking nuts off right. and they wanted that for Russia. And that's when they found Putin and they told Yeltsin, if you want to, you get to stay in power if you make this guy who no one ever heard of, 99.9% of Russians had never heard of Putin when he was, when Yeltsin made him prime minister. And then the deal was Yeltsin had to resign where he becomes president. And that was, so now two decades of this guy who's basically the right wing Pinochet of Russia. We created this monster. Now that's not an excuse. Believe me, that's not an excuse for him to be, uh, uh, mass murder to be mass murdering not only his people but Ukrainians. Do you think and, they've lost all of him like we did with Saddam Hussein? Uh yes. But the the question is how does how do his own oligarchs feel? And I think they're getting very nervous because after all, they're 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 uh, putting uh, locks on their yachts, and that's pretty dangerous <laughs> stuff. So I'm going to have to say goodbye. I'm going right. to see you November second virtually at Greg palace.com to see vigilante or go to vigilante movie.com vigilante and i'll see you then and then and then we're gonna have to spend another time where i'm gonna be interviewing you you're interviewing me and we'll be um uh, uh th- we're way too sober on this interview we're gonna have to work this one out well we're, we're gonna have we'll to get to all the other but we had to, we had to tell people this stuff about the elections because damn it i know you don't like your choices but you can't go into mcdonald's and order sushi so that's it you got the crappy chicken sandwich that that'll give you uh, that'll that'll uh, fill up your arteries, or you got the the uh, the beef made from uh, whatever um, um, alien uh, food operation they've created. <laughs> but whatever, that's your choices. I'm sorry, okay, but you're going to have to make that choice, and don't let them steal it from you. Yeah, otherwise, if you don't vote. Guess who's going to be voting for you? On that note, that's it for this round of Renegade Roundtable. And I've already been on Greg's podcast once and hopefully again. So now we may be talking two interviews. I don't know. but At uh, least. At least. I got to get going because I got to talk to Georgia. All right. November 2nd, gregpalace.com. Watch the Vigilante movie. Be there. Aloha.